0: What's going on, you guys? We're back with another episode of the Dispensary Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Kwan, the founder of Cannabis Marketing, the number one marketing agency for both Canada and the United States for uh, cannabis dispensaries. And I'm joined here by Sahil. He's a CEO, founder, president, all of the above of Euphoria Wellness. And then I'm also joined with Chad and Victoria, the head of marketing, also with Euphoria Wellness. So welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on, guys. Thanks for having us. Yeah awesome awesome so yeah let's just hop right into it so um typically I start off with tell us a little bit about yourself and a bit bit about your business so I know Salt Hill probably is going to intro with everything about Euphoria so let's start off with Chad um, and Victoria about a little bit about them then we can transition into Salt Hill about you know Euphoria and stuff like that
1: okay
0: well
2: I think the best way to describe what we're doing here is We started in the medical cannabis industry here in Montana. We've moved to the recreational. Um, We definitely, with our strains, we have over 40 strains. And within our strains, we focus on terpene, unique terpene profiles. So there's a bunch of new strains coming out. I mean, on the daily, we have new strains coming out. But we like to focus, we have some of the old school strains, some of the new, obviously. But we we focus a lot on the terpene profile and how it's going to benefit the person or the patient to direct what effect they would like from it. Not not just, all this has the highest THC number, but where it's actually going to steer you, what it's going to do for you, and what benefits you would get out of it.
0: Nice. And how did you guys get started with E4? Were you there straight up from the beginning? Did Sahil poach you from somebody else, saying that you guys are the best marketers out there? How did, how did that you know kind of relationship get started?
2: I actually met Sahil and his crew at Henfest one year, and saw the product that he had and the way that he approached the employees. And I haven't haven't really seen it anywhere else. I've I've worked for multiple companies since I've started working and my biggest issue has always been, I've, I've always worked up in a company really quick. My first job was at Taco Bell. They made me manager of the store at 16. They're like, we've never made anybody this young a manager, but we see your drive. And I've always worked up and hit a point where the person above me just doesn't care. And whenever you're giving it your all and you've got somebody above you not caring, it affects the whole team. Right. So that was something that I picked out very quick from Sahil, um, that he does care. It was blatantly obvious. So with him caring, having an amazing product from there, I kind of harassed him, called him up and just blew him up. I was like, why why are you just doing this in Bozeman? Why is this not Euphoria, Montana? Right. And not long after that, uh, he opened up second shop in Missoula and now we just opened up our fifth one it's it's grown insanely over the last few years right but right. with a good leader good product good crew like you're you're bound to have success
0: awesome so I'm, I'm just curious myself so there was one comment and again you know on, on the YouTube world I'm super surprised that people are you know actually watching these podcasts and stuff like that Some guy was like, hey, I watched all of your videos. Uh, I became a bud tender for the first time. You know, really appreciate you putting all this out. So to add value to him specifically, or maybe, you know, kind of up and coming people wanting to work in the cannabis space, what kind of advice would you give to kind of like this guy that might want to work himself up the ladder from, you know, maybe just starting off as a bud tender, then maybe going to manager, general manager, and then maybe head um, of some of the departments? Like, what would you say helped you out best for you to climb that ladder?
2: I would say education and, and know knowing the product what it does, I mean
3: being involved
2: right being involved in it yeah it's we're hitting a point where we can actually study into it we've had we've had research on it over the years, but not like we 're getting nowadays, so personally i've been studying it over the last thirteen years i 'm diabetic, I noticed that it helped me with my diabetes at a young age and I wanted to find out why, what is it that this plant is doing that all these different medicines people want to give me aren't doing and it's doing it naturally. So just what we're finding out, especially like I keep going back to terpenes, that they're, they're very important. We're finding out new stuff every single day. So education, I believe is a huge part of it. There's a lot of people that are, that are testing this out. There's so many new people into this because it's been quote a bad thing and had a bad stigma over the years. Right. Now it's starting to open up and people are like, well, I've seen this person do it and they're not crazy and they're not like there's seen positive effects with it. So more people are stepping into it and testing it for themselves, but they're they're not educated in it. So when they come in, they may think they're asking a crazy question, but in reality there isn't a crazy question in this. There's there's so much to learn, so much that everybody can benefit from. That I feel like compassion and education are
0: probably two of the biggest things in this. Right, right. And so, would you say you know that's kind of what helped him again climb with the ladder, sort of thing?
1: Um, I think that Chad is. I think the major thing is like the drive, right? Like turning things on, moving things over, you know. uh, But There's, um, two, four, you know, you may end up with a boss that does not want, they, they're very restrictive and I'm very like open. So we're like, yo, dude, go get it done. And the question is, is can you actually get it done? And And most of the time he's been able to get it done. So, you know, uh, Got the whole shop in Hamilton open. I mean, he was like the reason why we opened up the Hamilton store. I probably would have not opened up in Hamilton because right. he's never knew a person down there, but he's like, Yeah, let's get this happening. So, uh, we're like, All right, dude. Uh, and you know, we were like, One of the first missions was like, Well, where are we going to open the store? And he was, like, very confident he was going to get, you know, the city council, like, turned around on Thursday. Don't worry, Sahil. It's Tuesday. they are going to have a vote. We're going to be turned around. I'm like, all right. But uh, it didn't go 100% that way. But then he was like, well, I found this other place in the county, man. And it's in the city. So uh, I'll get you going in there. And I was like, all right, dude. So um, he got it going and got the landlord, you know, got him set up and everything. So then we're like, all right, dude here we go. So then we did our portion of, uh, of the help, but that was, I think, you know, uh, defining points like that. Plus, you know, I will probably say this like 12 times in the podcast understands the culture of the cannabis game. Right. Yes. And that's what is the main thing uh, where it's like, okay, dude, I have, and have been around cannabis for a long time in this area. People know me, people know what I'm about. I can really, you know, help that portion of it out. So uh, that's where it comes, you know, and that comes from like, yeah, okay, yeah, he's also helping a lot, but he understands like the culture of those people right? You know? and the people that are the users or medical, maybe, or recreational, however, however, the however they want to come to the store.
0: Right. Right. So let's rewind a little bit. So take us through how, you know, introduced you, founder, CEO, president, all of the above. <laughs> um, right. How did you get to that point in the first place? Did you always want to start, you know, kind of a company like this where you, dipping your toes in some other ventures. Like how did the start of Euphoria actually, you know, begin?
1: Well, um, I would say that, you know, it was, a, it was actually like a three-part three, three little part project. Uh, one is, is, hey, I was always going to want to start my own business. kind of. I just didn't really know what it was. I was like trying to get a job. I'm still in college. Um, these laws were changing. Uh, a friend of mine was like, hey, dude, they're going to have some city licenses open up in Bozeman. You should get a city license. We can turn around, maybe sell it, make some cash real quick. And uh, so we went down there, got the license, and we were one of the first people to get the license. Um, and then, But it turns out that these licenses were very unique compared to other business licenses. You couldn't sell them. They were non-transferable. So it was a different type of license. And uh, then, you know, we started to pivot the conversation. Well, what happens if we opened up a dispensary then? You know, we can maybe get this thing going, this and that. Well, at the same time, I'm in college. So that I had some uh, attorney friends, and that's also a very good motivator, too, is um, politically being collect, you know, connected or having some kind of political influence is very helpful. Not only in once we obtain the license, but was able to open up a, a store in the city where not very many people were able to open up and hadn't opened up. Hard to get someone to lease. This is 2008. You know, we're talking way before testing, way before everything else. Um, you know, I've been in the game so long uh, in the cannabis industry. A lot of people were still getting raided because this was all you know still during the Bush era. People right. were getting, you know, so it was a completely different time in cannabis uh, compared to what it is now. And so we got the space, and once we had the space, we didn't realize that uh, it was just going to kind of blow up on its own, right. you know, even without yeah. having. At that point, we were doing zero marketing because some of us were scared to even talk about it, right? So yes. we we're like, uh, "Dude, we don't. I don't even know if we're going to put a sign in the door. Let's just go ahead and see what happens." But word of mouth, which has always been a very strong Way that we have marketed, uh, we were able to really just get it moving. And then during that time period, a strong driving force was the doctor connection. You know, people trying to get the medical cannabis card. Then, if you had the doctor, and we, uh, you know, and once we had the space, the doctor was like, "Whoa, let's just start hosting the clinics here," which right. then just led to a massive kind of explosion and growth there. Um, it was almost kind of a little bit too fast. But you know, as uh, as that explosion happened in Montana. From 2008 to 2011, uh, there was a little bit of a, uh, you know, I would like to say backlash from the community, maybe the the community that doesn't really appreciate cannabis because it got a little bit out of control. They didn't understand what they voted for. Uh, the law was very open. It was like very similar to the California law turned into the wild, wild west of cannabis, you know, right. um, where can they smell? it? So um, it got dialed back. And it got dialed back very quickly. And uh, they also did like uh, an operation in Montana. It was called Operation We Be Gone to help, uh, help eliminate some of the bad actors in the cannabis industry. So there's a lot of people that end up getting raided during that time. And a lot of people were like, whoa, we're going to go ahead and step back from the business And, uh, and at that time we kind of were doing the same because it's like, Hey, do you want to extend your lease? Uh, some of the people that were holding leases were a little worried now because they're like, well, can my property get taken? What's going to happen? So there was like an increase in risk rent, let's say. Um, and, uh, so during that time we decided, Hey, we were going to stay open for another year. I think 2011 at 2012, we closed down our store dispensary, like in the city officially, we went to like a delivery only service and, uh, So we were doing the delivery only service and then, and we had a small little, like you could come pick up your medicine. I was actually in my garage. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And so that lasted for a while. Um, And then during that same time period while we were doing that uh, my cousin, who is a marketing uh, person in Las Vegas, um, because my original company is called Sultonic's, and that's actually the brand that was actually the dispensing brand and everything um so then when we went down uh we were like my cousin he got a job offer to do some marketing for a person that was going to be opening up Euphoria wellness in las vegas they also wanted to have a cultivation and such and uh they took him around to kind of show him how the cultivation was going to get developed and he was like uh bro this doesn't look right i'm going to ask you guys a couple questions they didn't really know he was like why do you even know about growing? I don't understand. He's like, well, my cousin has been doing this like quite some time in Montana. He's like, you guys should be talking to him. Like, and so, uh, and he's like, and he comes to Vegas often and likes to hang out here. And so I was flying down and before I even knew it, he was like, we got to meet up with these people that, uh, started the euphoria brand, which was Joe and, uh, Larry and Darlene and such down here. And, uh, then they, uh, they, you know, we helped them actually get their setup going both, you know, in the cultivation aspect heavily and then in the dispensing aspect, you know, monetarily helping them just kind of understanding the system and the culture as best we knew it at the time, which you know the culture in Las Vegas is completely different than the culture in Montana. And right. so we did that from about 2014, 15, and 16, uh, we were here. And then in 17, I think the law started to shift back in Montana to where it was going to be a lot more open system. And so we decided, hey man, Instead of opening up with the Sultonics name, reopening, let's reopen with the Euphoria Wellness name. And right. so that's where the Euphoria Wellness brand started probably 2017 in Montana. And the Sultonics brand had been growing ever since. And then the Sultonics brand became the number one provider for all the cannabis for Euphoria Wellness in Montana. Right. And ever since then, we've been running the Euphoria Wellness location in Montana. We probably ran it for about two years and I think, God, 2018 or something? I guess... We started the uh, Missoula location, like Chad said. And then shortly after, we were like, hey, let's just start the Butte location because it was a midpoint. Uh, And then uh, the Hamilton location, probably what, was it 2019 we started in Hamilton, you said? Yeah, so 2019, we started in Hamilton. And then, I mean, heck, right after that, it was COVID. Isn't that interesting to think about? Like, when you go backwards in time, you're like, whoa. But then, yeah, going forward, you're like, wow. So, like, literally, Chad was open... For maybe a year or two before we had to then deal with all this COVID stuff. And I mean, I was traveling all the time to all the dispensaries and that had all shrunk down all of us, you know, we're like trying to stay isolated and trying to do the dispensary in a completely different manner. Like running an entire business through COVID was quite challenging, but luckily we were able to be deemed essential, which helped us stay open through the entire pandemic. Or, I mean, a lot of businesses suffered even heavier losses than we did.
0: Yeah. Yeah wow what 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 a story this is this is why I like doing this because you don't typically have conversations like this and you know just again that 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 whole entrepreneurship stuff about like I'm gonna start this and there's a whole bunch of things that goes wrong and it's like you decide to continue doing it or not doing it and you couldn't do something else just super super fascinated about that just like you know on a personal level um yeah. so do you plan on expanding into uh more states more cities sort of thing or is you know um, what you're you know, doing, you know, you're going to keep what you're doing right
1: now. Montana has a lot of territory and I guess, you know, us staying focused and our license being kind of um, so old and us being one of the first operators, technically, we actually had the first uh, provider uh, MMP license in Montana and then mm-hmm. our provider license was pretty low too. But so we actually had the number one license for a while there, but now they've re-switched and reallocated all the numbers and such. So it doesn't matter, but um, we have a broad scope to expand in Montana and we really haven't gone into another state. I mean, if somebody wanted to partner with me and I, you know, kind of came to me like Chad or someone, they're like, Hey man, uh, this is, you know, I have a plan. We could make it happen. We need your guys' expertise. Right. You know, similar to what we did in Vegas where I was kind of approached. Wow. Um, we would consider it, but we're not actively going out there because it's hard to find people that are, you know, driven wanting to do all the work and make it happen. And inside our state, I think we still have a lot of opportunities the Low, low-hanging fruit, let's call it, that can still be taken advantage of, and uh, and it's going to be a completely ever-changing market, you know, in in the cannabis field too right now. And for me, being more as a business entrepreneur, I know you don't know much about myself as well, but uh, I've been shifting gears also into real estate. So you know, we're kind of doing a little bit of both. And so I don't know. Uh, I mean what another state would look like but it could have it could happen quickly you know we were i never thought i would be in nevada i never thought i would even live down here so
0: but here we are right yeah (laughs) yeah i mean like it's 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 really hard to find you know i guess i guess chad and victoria equivalents right it's like yes everyone has these big plans of hey i want to do this and all that but like i find you know personally there's just you need to have the right people in place to do different things, right? And as soon as you think that, boom, you know, spread yourself super thin and then that's, you know, kind of where a bunch of problems, you know, come about, right?
1: Absolutely, you know, absolutely.
0: So on the, you know, kind of your, you know, the euphoria slash soul you know, stuff that you have going on, as you know, there's a bunch of competition coming up. There's seemingly infinite dispensaries just popping up, you know, everywhere. So I always like to ask, you know, you know, what do you guys think are your key differentiators and then what are your customers also saying that they like about you
1: um well you know some of the things that i think chad mentioned earlier one of our key differences is, is the employees the employee retention the company culture that we built here uh you know reflects that i think sometimes it, it, it does come out in the products 100 percent, because that that is what makes the quality so good is that the people are passionate Not only are Victoria and Chad passionate about the marketing and, you know, when we started the Hamilton store and he was very passionate about the Hamilton store still is, uh, but we have other people that are very passionate about growing the product or doing the conversions or making the edibles. Right,
0: right, right. And then on the marketing side, how are you guys bringing in more people? You mentioned word of mouth was a really, really big one, Uh, but kind of what is your guys process to essentially, how do you, you know, you've opened up more locations, how do you continue growing
1: I'll give you just, you know, three examples of some of the marketing stuff that Chad, Victoria, and some of the other people have come up with through Euphoria was, you know, we just did, what, Sidekick Sunday, you know, to help out with, we're going to, you know, bring in a friend. I'm sure you're going to see some of these as we put some Fox of these on
3: the Yeah.
1: And then, mm-hmm. you know, trying to do something with referring, you know, people getting their bags, bringing back. We're trying to be very unique on the marketing and promotion aspects of weird things we do. I feel like I haven't seen any of the other dispensaries around us even try to compete on those kinds of Mm -hmm. weird sales. We do a lot of sales relating to sports events. We do a lot of sales almost every holiday we're known for doing a sale where a lot of our competitors, at least in the Montana area, before recreational were closed down. And uh yeah. he stayed open. That was probably another. People use-
3: are still closed on holidays, and that's definitely one of the things that differentiates us is that the one time people are gathering together and probably consuming the most out oh, yeah. of the year are on yeah. those holidays and you know, being able to come in, not only get great service on the holidays, but get crazy outrageous deals. Oh, yeah. And you know, walk out with a smile on their face and be able to go spend time with their family. And, you know, that definitely, that makes a difference. People call us cheers. That That's the number one thing that all the stores hear is that we're like cheers. You walk in and everyone already knows your name and knows what you're going to get.
0: Right, right. So what are your, what are some of the, you know, your, I guess, your most memorable slash favorable or even most successful kind of, uh, you know, campaigns like this you've done before? Oh, Not my, to put you on
2: the spot at all. <laughs> honestly, we, we always have a blast at Hempfest. That's that's yeah. where I originally okay. met Sahil. The event and over
3: Our block party this four twenty was insane. Yeah. <laughs> that that marketing technique that we did there. We we passed out coupons and had shirt deals and um, introduced our clothing line to most of the cannabis community that was okay. Down on Front Street, and sent them to the store, and basically had <laughs> lines going out uh, for quite a while that evening. Talked to the bud tenders, and yeah, yeah we were slammed.
0: Sounds like are,
3: Yeah,
0: absolutely crushing. Because like one one of the things that I I always talk to a lot of you know you know kind of owners or whatever it is about is like, what is your way to kind of capture customers into your ecosystem? Because I'm sure as you guys know. Word of, mouth, word of mouth is pretty good. Loyalty is relatively good, you know, in this space. So it's like the small things that you guys are doing, like staying open on holidays, you're automatically capturing customers that you would have otherwise lost because, you know, everyone else is closed, Right. So it's not only that you're getting that one time boost from being open over the holidays, you now may convert, I don't know, maybe 10 to hopefully up to 50% of the customers that came in. Now they're going to become loyal to your brand because they know that you're going to be open all the time instead of going to someone else. Right. And a lot of times when I look at marketing campaigns, it's like, how do I run this campaign to get, you know, you know, a marginal boost in sales because we did this one thing. Right. But I think it's vastly overlooked looking at the lifetime value of your customer and saying, okay, John came in and purchased a $50 product one time but now he's going to come in and purchase three times every single month. He is now worth 150 bucks every single month for, you know, however long you guys are open. Right. So it sounds like you guys are doing very, very well on that end. Um, are you doing anything else to kind of like get customers through the door? I mean, a lot of times the main thing is like, you know, we have good product, you know, our bud, bud tenders are friendly and stuff like that, you know, but maybe any outside of the box thinking that other dispensaries don't normally do. Uh,
2: we're hidden. Sorry. I was going to say we're hidden the marketing as hard as we can, we are still limited just due to law. I mean, we we're right. on different platforms such as Instagram, but we have to have a private page currently. Right. Um, every Avenue that, that we can, we, Weed maps, leafly, yeah. the radio, um, every way that we can get our name out there and give people a chance to, I mean, just get them in the store, get them to get a chance to see what we have. I definitely feel that our customer service and our products shine so once the people actually get there and get that initial in the in store fifty dollars right. you you pretty well lock them in i mean that's right. it's kind of hard to beat us at that point i mean yeah. not to sound too big-headed on it but i know that okay. we have amazing product i know we have an amazing team we pride ourselves in that right so just to get people getting people there without the word of mouth, because that is your number one way. But you have to make people, even for it to hit the word of mouth, you have to make people happy. You have to stand above everybody else for that to to show and what they're saying. And so every avenue that we can, our clothing line, um, the Sultana's clothing line is strain-specific off the of strains that we grow. And I don't know, it's it's a culture thing. People are proud of it. Now the, the stigma is starting to die. Yeah. People are proud to wear the stuff around. And I know just personally weekend came, didn't have our kids. We decided to go on a mountain drive just to go enjoy the mountains. And we're in the middle of nowhere and there's this guy that pulls up on a dirt bike wearing one of our sweaters.
3: Yeah. And we're wow. like we're, <laughs> wearing a Durban Poison sweater out in the middle of the mountains. <laughs> in the middle of the mountains. So
2: yeah. it's and just to ask him about it and to see him be prideful in it. and Well, say and his he excitement, had never
3: even like... been into our store before. He had heard about he's, us. And so like, he's just wearing
0: your, the shirts but... only. He wasn't, he yeah. only, oh.
3: Pff. Yeah, wrecking and... our brand and didn't even know it. The clothing yeah, line is honestly like, I feel like the one of the most unique things about us. I have never really seen any other dispensary that has a purple Urkel shirt or a Durban Poison hoodie, you know. Right. And we've also done collaborations with Grassroots, and That's yeah, cool. we've got we've got pretty cool gear.
2: It, the clothing line brings people out of their box as well. Yeah. I've even had, not long ago, I had an older gentleman approach me and just almost was in shock that I was wearing a sweater that said a marijuana strain and had a marijuana leaf on it, and he's yes. like, basically like, i've got a box of this stuff it's like hidden away like yeah. he's still hiding his clothes like he's gonna get in trouble for his clothes
0: but right right culture is a big part of it and
3: killing the stigma, no, the stigma. That's, that, that's cool uh so
0: hill you did you did
1: you have something you want to add uh between there oh man no i think i got it covered yeah. pretty well on the uh because i was just saying yeah the thing that I, I find that the few couple unique things that probably they're we're doing and some of it's related to them as well is just like every week they, you know, the sales are unique. They're not very, you know, and they're very different. Like I was trying to say the sidekick thing, then like the bag sale or something. Those are very interesting. I mean, you can't, those would be unique. Other things that are unique is maybe like the can of card we're working with like a payment solution place. So they're like going to advertise this out. They also just put us in like with an app, Leafire, which also like allows us to like get our patients to like more marketing, you know, direct campaigns to them, um, you know, using the same kind of similar things. It's harder for us to market, so um, Canacard was kind of doing that too, where they're going to try to have some people in there, and if they're in our location, we can hit them with like a special or something like that with the right. geo anything we'll see how that all kind of works. But I mean, we were the first ones to do the counterpart in, uh, in the entire nation. And so they're trying to be uh, big on it too. So we'll see if it works or doesn't work, but um, I think they have a good play and a very good system. And so far, a lot of our employees have been using it.
0: Nice. Nice. So for a lot of the, the offline stuff, the traditional marketing methods is, you know, I don't know, social media, you know, SEO, (laughs) Google ads, Facebook ads, and things like that. Um, are you leveraging any of those kind of traditional forms of media to help generate sales for you guys?
1: Well, obviously, we're working with you, right, on the SEO stuff, which we have seen a lot of stuff um, happening in our in our thing. And honestly, when we're now tracking Google a little bit, uh, you know, I think we're attributing some definite traffic. And I, and I see a lot of people are using Google to get to us, whether it is, you know, the maps or a phone phone quick, because a lot of people, you know, they're like, oh, is this place real? Let's call it. And, you know when someone answers and they're like oh euphoria wellness yeah we are open okay yeah come on by you know yeah. um so that that is starting to bump up i have seen a tiny bit of traffic now increasing on the online sales getting yes. people to convert from the website into a card and getting that checked out i've seen you know just because we were at probably like a very low number it's increasing you know slightly because our market is also a very hard market to penetrate compared to I know where you're in Ontario Canada or something Toronto. like that.
0: Toronto. Yeah.
1: So that market, you know, people are like, Oh, the internet websites no problem i got you here's my email address <laughs> have, try to have that same conversion in montana is not not the same people are very leery of the internet sometimes or even doing anything over the internet they're like oh whoa whoa I mean, or
3: even having uh, an email. Yes. <laughs> that was so common when we were in the medical like on the medical side is a lot of times we would have to help people make an email address so they could even get their medical card right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: it's, uh, it's, a, it's a changing thing, both in the cannabis space, on the stigma side, and then it, it appears using the internet in itself,
3: right? <laughs> well, yeah,
1: exactly. You know, knowing your market, you know, where like sometimes our market in Montana is very unique. I tell people all the time, we're about 10 or 15 years behind a major city or another city, you know, around us, even perhaps we're just in the scale of where people are doing. It's a, it's a massive, a benefit in a mass, you know, can be, a, there's pros and cons to both, right. right. In the sense of like, it's a uh, community wise, people in Montana are loving it, you know, but then when it comes to maybe business wise, we're just a little bit, you know, people are a little uh, apprehensive or slash even don't, don't care. We're on our own time, you know, and uh, that's how we like it up there.
0: Right, right. So getting into the nitty gritty. So we spoke about all the different things you're doing, you know, both offline and online. Wanted to kind of dive in about, I don't know if you have the numbers on this or anything like that, but essentially trying to boil down what your most effective marketing strategies are. So again, you know, for other kind of uh, dispensaries out there, hopefully not competitors, uh, but for you guys you know, what, what, no, I would, well, what would you kind of boil down the main things that are working out the best for you?
1: I mean, like I was telling you earlier, if we look at in and Chad and Victoria probably to this, the days that our, we're running our sales, whether it be an event, and then she's doing a t-shirt sale that follows where it's like, hey, we're your strain, and you're going to get such a and that's what we're saying. We're doing a sale to the level of like, and I will try to reiterate this in a way where, okay, we're trying to get people to change their habit of just bringing back their exit bag. And so we're saying, all right, let's offer, well, I don't even know, I think we came up with a $10 dollars eighth on the day if you actually bring your exit bag. So if you bring your exit bag, you'll get a $10 eight that day. And we wanted the sale to be so ridiculous where if you forgot your exit bag, you would want to drive home, go pick it up to get the deal You know, and so those days that we're doing these different types of sales, uh, we're seeing the heaviest increase in traffic, you know, and some of that is coming from word of mouth. People are buying and, you know, some of the deals. Uh, Or like, okay, like for football, you know, Super Bowl Sunday, you know, we picked out two teams, they both had like their own strains, they kind of had like an edible and like a joint. It was like, we called it, you know, I can't use the word, the party bowl pack. (laughs) Yes. Mm -hmm. I don't want to get you in trademark trouble here. Uh, But uh, so, you know, um, we did great, you know, because then people go and talk about it with their friends because they got this insane deal. They're like, well, you got that for what price? Well, let's drive over there and get another one, you know? And so, um, those things are really working for us. I think, um, the Google is working for us in the sense that we've seen the numbers go up. It's very hard for people that may have, that are new. We're trying to t- ask people like, Hey, how are you yeah. hearing about us? But, um, on some of the new stuff, just like you said, it's a repetition of it. Like I couldn't just tell you, Oh, well, we shouldn't do that because the Google numbers are starting to rise, but it may still take another 12 months before it's hitting its like peak penetration you know where you're you've penetrated the market you've changed the website enough you've done all the optimization enough it's very similar to victoria running the new ads on the radio for us she's penetrated one market we're doing three months but and in three months we've seen some traffic. So now we're like, okay, it wasn't zero. You know, we may have got three or four, but the real number that we're all trying to hit is what's the cost of customer acquisition, right? We're running these radio ads. What is the cost for customer acquisition coming in? You know, are we getting a uh, way more bang for our buck on the Google cost of customer acquisition or are we getting it way better on the radio ad for customer customers? And it may be, you know, that completely differentiates between markets, you know, between not only Montana is so divided in between how we can, you know, penetrate the Bozeman market versus the Missoula market, totally different people. You know, the radio may penetrate them way better because those people in that market are way more artistic. They're way more into music. They're way more into the play. People in the Bozeman market are way more into business, into college, into engineering, into architecture, So doing the different ways, but both groups can be highly users of cannabis right you just have to figure out what we're going to do in the penetration cost of customer acquisition so we move it over to her on the radio thing she's going to penetrate one market every so often and then we're going to see the results we're going to continue to expand and keep putting in some more market spend on those areas you know we're able to now move some of our budget into market spend from our original target goal which was actual production you know you can't market something if you're not producing the product correctly. And so now once the product is going to be pretty introduced with our new facility, almost being done, we can start moving some more money into marketing and that'll start actually being a whole new thing. And, Mm -hmm. you know, Victoria has been doing a great job for our in-house marketing on just like the Instagram ads and, you know, all the other little things that are like helping really push the little things that help tweak it. We also have these TVs in the store, which are also, you know, a little unique selling point, but It's hard to say, just like you said, you know, okay, well, what does that actually, you know, does that actually call someone in and get us another customer tomorrow? Because they're like, hey, dude, did you see that crazy Star Wars ad? But it's a combination, right? The cool Star Wars ad plus the entire, you know, deal that they're getting on the cannabis, you know, related to the product that they're getting, right? Because now if we ran a special, just like what Chad was saying, I give you a $10 eighth, but it was garbage, your experience isn't going to be what it needs to be to come back to the store. And we've tried to make that a a real selling point. We're trying to, you know, in fact, we're trying to be ahead of the curve. We feel like, okay, well, Hey, if this is going to get kind of dry or old, let's actually have a promotion on it before that point to where now, at least they actually have a good experience with that product. And that is a huge hope. And once again, we're going back to the culture. If you don't understand cannabis, you don't understand product. You think it's all the same. You think everyone's going to have the same experience with whether this or that, it may not be the case, right? And that is also getting a lot of input, not only from the marketing team, but from the bud tenders. Hey, dude, this product isn't selling. We're gonna have to discontinue it. Hey, dude, this product's getting old. Let's move to a sale. Hey, dude, this people aren't happy with the price on this. We need to change it. Okay, oh, well, you know, because they're getting all the feedback. You know, customer comes in. Hey, I want to go. I, I'm not buying this. It's too expensive. This and that. But it's us as leadership to be able to take all those things in. And quickly adjust our business to then make sure that those patients and customers are getting what they need
0: right right so on the uh, that that exit bag strategy was super super interesting because like that's something people can relate to It's like gosh like i really want to get this this thing in and you know let me go drive back home and come back to you guys or at least tell a friend hey they have this crazy crazy deal go check it out right so i've been again just kind of just brainstorming so Cannabis space, you have your different kind of categories of products that you saw, right? You have your flower, pre rolls, concentrates, edibles, tinctures, vapes, so on and so forth, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What I've been seeing, again, in my very small sample size is that typically people are, are relatively stuck within the category that they want to purchase. If the person buys flowers, they typically buy flowers and not really any, anything else. So the cross-product selling um, of these, the, the cross-selling of these products is a little bit tricky. Right. So I was always thinking that, you know, would it potentially be a good idea mixed up with your kind of exit bag strategy to maybe not uh, give a deal on the exact same product that the person is buying, but maybe cross pollinate your products? Because then you have two separate verticals that your customers are now going to purchase on, right? They're going to purchase on maybe the edible side and maybe the flower side increasing your card size.
1: So on the exit bag strategy, we may change products and maybe one product, but like we said, we're trying to target. Okay, so like right now, you're probably seeing flour is probably fifty percent of all sales, no matter what, right? So now if you're hitting most of your market, you do a sale on flour. It's getting fifty percent. It's also our best product, easiest product. If people actually started doing the math, here's another little secret for them: uh, the conversion rate. If you can just sell the flour as flour. you're going to get the best bang for your buck, right? right? When you start doing conversions, it might be because A, your product isn't selling, B, you have mold, some kind of remediation is being done. C, people do love the cartridges and everything. But in the end, uh, honestly, the cartridge price is probably getting, that's why it's getting pushed up. is because in order to do all the conversions, it's coming back. um, And that's kind of one of the areas where it's like, okay, what are we going to do next? Um, But one of the ways we found the best to do that mixed bag is when we go back to the super bowl sale right they were able to do this party pack in right. the party pack they were like oh well here's your two a's for your two teams here's some edibles for you and your friends right here's the joint now and you might and the deal might be so good because victoria convinces me to make him so deal uh and yeah. mariah too uh we're trying <laughs> to get the people in um that uh, that they're like two uh it doesn't make any sense i'm getting the cheapest deal. i should just buy the pack right yeah, exactly. It, it, the mathematically, it just wouldn't even work out. Whether you're just an edible person, you're like, hey, I should just buy the edibles, and I'll just take the free flower or whatever. But now you have this other product that you got pretty much practically for free, and that's what we're pushing on to you, right? But the thing is so good in this deal that maybe you take it home, and your buddy is an edible guy, but he's like, what you got that for? What price? Okay, fine, I'm gonna go get that pack too, right? And maybe we're hoping, and we've had actually some decent luck to convert people from one product to another product. They're like, hey, Mm -hmm. issue and the hardest ones are not converting people from flour is they may not have the apparatuses required for the conversion, if Ah. that makes any sense, correct? I I give you the oil, but now you don't have the rig, torch and all the other stuff to go along with it. I give you the flour, you may not have the bong bowl and everything else to go along with it. And those are the things that we're now seeing. But sometimes we've decided that if we've purchased or put those in the store where I think that this may be one of the reasons why we're selling, we have these little like dab kits or five or $10 little happy kits that these guys have been putting in the store and uh, people end up buying them. I think probably because they're like, dude, I just got all this flour and now (laughs) for 10 or 15 bucks, I'm going to need a pipe and a bowl real quick. And but the thing is, is they're not going to for us has been is they're not going to go out and buy the heady glass piece like chad represents everywhere and Las Vegas and everything you know which we would love to be selling they're looking at the china cheap glass which is unfortunate for us but it's a step right yeah i've now moved you into that step into that new variable and then i can maybe push you along with it's more
2: right.
1: right it's an and
3: introduction a- to the culture honestly yeah <laughs>
2: i've seen situations where people are so set in their ways there's like nope I don't do edibles I don't do edibles I'm gonna get this pack and I'm not even gonna do anything with that edible and then I see them back in there and they're like I tried your edible your edible (laughs) is different than other edibles I've had it works really well
3: and it tastes good can
2: I get two packs of gummies and they never even hit that market before but because we put it in that bundle Mm
3: -hmm. and opened
2: up their eyes a little bit they're like hey maybe this is my thing I didn't even realize it was it was And, yeah, like Sihil said, that does open up a whole new market into starting to get even basic glass and stuff. But education there, people have had an issue with the oil. Like, I don't have anything to smoke this with. Well, you can put, if you're smoking bud already, you can put oil on top of your bud. Don't touch it after you hit it with a lighter. Educate them a little (laughs) bit so they're not getting, like, oil all over their finger. But then they come back and they're like, this oil thing... I've been smoking for fifty years and I couldn't get high anymore. And all of a sudden I'm smoking concentrates on top of this. And yeah. you guys opened up a whole new world to me. Like education. I, I love I love our bundle deals. It it hits so many good aspects. Price wise, it helps the yeah. the customer, brings other people in because they are crazy enough deals that people Go and grab family members, especially on these holidays and stuff where...
3: That's seriously how I found out about Euphoria. I was Uh, told by a friend to go down to the store, get the deal. I saw how ridiculous the prices were in general in a great way. I mean, and I was a single mom at the time and ended up a patient. And a couple months later, I got called and asked if I wanted a job. And four years later, here I am working in marketing. All because we ran a crazy deal.
0: Right. (laughs) like i said you know the, the journey of, of just how life goes it's just like it's just you know who, who knows just all the way from a bundle right just yeah. from, from this one thing and like yeah like yeah like this it's no matter who i speak to in this space i ask them you know again along these marketing questions because i love getting different perspectives about what's working for them obviously if it works in one market it may not work in the other market but that education piece always plays a humongous role Like i had another interview with you know a guy Um, a few days ago. And he said the exact same thing. And it was just something as simple as like, sometimes the products like, you know, in Toronto, they're like in packages, and they can't like open them up. And they're like in the plastic. So he actually smokes all of, or most of the product. He takes a video of him smoking the product and he's like, Hey, this is what the bud looks like. You know, this is kind of how I felt about this. And he was like, yeah, like the education piece, that customer service piece about how you treat your customers. And it's not necessarily, Oh, how can I upsell you into the most, the highest profit margin product available, but it's literally like somebody's coming in, they're saying these things and, you know, really helping them out. Right. And I found, and it's good, you know, I think there's a lot of things that, are probably not necessarily the best in this space right but I found that there's a lot of people that are super open on the education side of things like the intention of everyone is always hey how can I help this person out best right so you know I'm very very happy to hear now that I have a deeper insight onto what you guys do and how you guys are operating your business that that you're one of them so just that's that's pretty awesome
3: that's really what gets people coming back I mean you could really have the best product in the world but if you have terrible customer service. They're not going to come back, right? right. you know, and then having that education aspect makes the customer comfortable asking you those questions that leads them to buy more products. And you know, that, that really is everything.
2: And just even being satisfied. I mean, if somebody comes in there like I can't sleep at night, And the person hands them a sativa and they're like, well, I really couldn't sleep after that. Instead of being like, hey, this purple urkel, it's going to make you hungry, but it's also going to make you really sleepy. I've had a patient that, I mean, it was almost begging. They're like, I haven't slept in so long. I can't get sleep. I was like, easy, dude. Let's, Let's get you some purple urkel, see how that treats you. Came in the next day and I thought he was going to jump through the window like I was kind of thrown off at first like is this guy coming through the window to like take (laughs) her money or he's like I slept last night (laughs) I haven't slept in so long was like so exuberant about it like it's important to be able to hit what they're after and not just be like well. We've had super glue sitting on the shelf for a couple months. Really need to get it out of here. Just, just take some super glue. Super glue will do good for you. Like actually learning it, like getting on that level with them, it means a lot. That's what's going to bring people back. I mean, if I went to a store looking for something that I was telling them I needed to sleep, and they sent me with a sativa, if I weren't educated on it, and then I were wired. And couldn't sleep even more I'd be like whoa those are the wrong people to go to right, right i probably wouldn't go back there right
0: right no love it love it so i'm sure as you guys know the the, the landscape the whole cannabis landscape has changed like significantly <laughs> um are there any kind of marketing things that you guys used to do that used to be really really good and like now don't work anymore the prime example is like weed maps right you know first to market they were the only ones doing what they were doing people are spending tens of thousands of dollars on weed maps because you know they're getting the return Obviously, now, not so much. It acts more of a directory website than anything. Um, are you finding that the same with you guys? Like, you know, has, what has changed in kind of your marketing?
1: Well, what did I tell
2: you earlier?
0: We're behind in times.
1: 10 or 15 <laughs> years. So that right this now, maps is crushing it for
0: us. They were telling us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <man. laughs>
3: oh,
0: my. <laughs> That's, That's, I I've had multiple conversations with people saying, "Yeah, I spent, you know, again tens of thousands of dollars on wheat bats a month, yeah, I'm just not working anymore." But yeah. I look, like, keep, keep it, keep it. <laughs> you know, so was it squeeze, squeeze the juice? Yeah, well, right now you yeah. got
1: you probably got about three years, you know, or two, three years left, and then it'll be dead, just like the other markets, you know, very similar to where they were about five, ten years ago, you know. in most of those markets, such as Nevada, but you know. Some of those things like in Maps. I don't know if you're very familiar with how they actually do their marketing scheme. It's very interesting, you know, like to get those top positions, they kind of put them up to bid. And so you had these cannabis companies, AKA with deep pockets that, you know, had marketing budgets that didn't know where the money should go. So they're like, let's bid up the top spot at Weedmaps. Yeah, you know, which has then uh, made their business model thrive for so long where... That didn't work so well, I don't think, in Montana. There was a lot of spots where us dispensary owners are like, you want us to do what? Bid on that? All right, mm-hmm. give us the bottom spot for $300. bucks. we will take yeah. that one. You yeah. know, which then ends up actually being like the third or fourth spot because there isn't that many people even using it, you know, like every dispensary is, you know, and uh, in Montana, smaller market, and we're having a lot of small people. They're still starting to get their business open, you know, and you're deciding, well, hey, am I buying a grow light or am I putting a banana on weed maps, right. you know? So those are some struggles as well for people. Right,
0: right. Yeah. So most of the marketing stuff you have when you started, right, it just continued working for the most part, at least up until now.
1: A lot of the things that we've been doing, I think, have been very unique to us. I feel like we i mean i don't know once again we might be tooting our own little horn um i feel like we're 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 like little trendsetters in montana in the sense of like doing the word of mouth things doing very unique little sales doing like the events i mean we were very unique i think even in the way we hosted uh the first couple of times you know that's probably what led to chad coming to us and you know as he's been saying i mean this year they're probably gonna you know we're gonna unleash chad and victoria on Hempfest, and he was gonna come in for the mic day because that's all they need me for uh, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> less work for me but uh that has been unique, you, you have, have
3: fun, fun with it don't yeah,
1: lie <laughs> the, whole, the whole thing is all about uh the the culture of that and so I feel like we've been able to keep our uniqueness and our quirkiness working you know and uh at least because we really haven't right now I we feel like we're kind of pivoting to more conventional ways of marketing, such as social media, such as the SEO, such as the radio, such as obviously we can't even be on TV, but, uh, you know, (laughs) we may do some more stuff that is like in that traditional space of marketing, you know, Um, one of the things I guess we're going to now try to do is try to see if our new dispensary can, we can do the whole ribbon cutting ceremony and Mm -hmm. bring it all in, bring the, you know, the commerce in Um, because now I guess one of our goals will be to be a little bit more politically active and get a little bit more political friends, you know, and that's where, you know, you just saw us put the cannabis Guild on our website and we're trying to now um, become, you know, more representative of, you know, not our brand, but the culture, you know, statewide so that we can actually put some, some stuff, you know, there's, there's a few things that are, upset me about the new law. You know, I don't really like the way that medical patients are being treated. I've always felt that the medicine was number one. I mean, that's also kind of Chad brought that up to when I mean, we educate people. But I mean, I do see a medical value in cannabis, which is now getting pushed out with the recreational market because it's just like, oh, it's recreational. I do not mind people using cannabis recreationally. It's safer than alcohol. You know, there's no reason for it not to be used. It's helping get a safer product out there to people. But let's not forget the people that actually do need it for medicine. Right? It's not all about just the tax dollars on this thing. Like, I don't mind taxing the right people, but let's have an avenue for medical people to be able to access their medicine safely at least, you know, in our state of Montana, I would love that to happen. I love that it's still happening in Colorado. There's other states like Nevada, where the medical program is practically obsolete, you know, you're just saving some taxes, but they are pretty heavy taxes. So, um, you know, that's, that's the major shift, you know, that I would see, you know, like Chad was saying, it used to be medical, this big medical program, we were helping people. And now, uh, now that I feel like it's kind of getting lost in translation, you know, or minimized.
0: Right. I mean, I just had a chat yesterday i apparently have a lot of chats uh when he he's specifically staying in the medical you know pharmacy space right because yeah. that that's where it comes from it's like you know the intent is how do we help people the most right um and a lot of times it's like okay just whatever government is just like hey how can we make the most amount of money from this thing because now it's popular and we can sell a lot of it right but i think a lot of it is lost in the you know, uh, the R and D side about how do we specifically look at now the genetics and the strains and how these things specifically help people. Like there's a whole world out there just purely on the medical side where I do think that it's, it's lacking. And especially here, like in Canada, you know, we're fully like country's fully legal. Right. And we could have been a really, really big exporter of the IP and, and research and development of, you know, cannabis. Right. Um, but same thing, right. It's like, how do we tax the heaviest, how do we make the most amount of money? And that's it. And it's unfortunate that like the main push to make cannabis legal was it was this you know drug that can help a lot of people. Like that was the main reason for a lot of things. But I found that it's really turned into okay, how can these different entities make the most amount of money? Which is quite unfortunate. So
1: it really is, and, and especially with the government. I mean, every government is now just looking at, at cannabis as like their little cash cow to get whatever programs funded which a lot of us come from background in cannabis that we want positive programs funded you know maybe education maybe outdoor recreation maybe you know montana was very into the conservation of their outdoor spaces and we were able to kind of help get that in but you know the amount of money that was allocated was very minimal compared to what actually should be going into our conservation or our education you know in nevada they uh, literally took all the money out you know they were like well since there's the cannabis money let's just keep that in in education we'll pull all of our money that was going into education out and it's oh. like no that wasn't the plan the exactly. plan is that was supposed to be an addition to you know so yeah
0: yeah again uh, that could be a completely separate conversation like, you know i can get yeah. very very deep and, and like yeah it's just really unfortunate this is the case but you know yeah anyways <laughs> bringing it back to kind of like the the marketing stuff um Another big thing that I think really contributes is, you know, uh, you know, like the reviews, right? Like you said, it's a word of mouth, but online reviews are essentially online word of mouth, right? Um, Are you guys doing anything different to do that to generate? Have you
1: seen our review numbers go up?
0: Uh, Yes. I I have. Yes, I have.
1: Yeah. There's uh, probably a reason for that is because once again, they were like, Hey, let's, you know, put a thing on rewards. You know, that's, I mean, maybe Victoria can explain a little bit more, but that's and you know, weirdly enough, we knew that it was going to help, you with your seo matter because now as the reviews on google are piling in and you're doing your work it's correlating right you know yeah
3: we did this challenge for not only our bud tenders but our customers that if um basically they gathered as many reviews as they could the winning store got some in-store credit but we also told our customers hey, leave us an honest review. We're not looking for a five-star review even. We just want to know what you think of us. Right. And uh, at the end of the month, we'll pick a winner for, you know, what we see as our favorite review, and we'll give you some store credit. And we chose a couple couple not, people.
2: Not that we're not looking for five-star review, but we're not asking. Yeah, for we them. weren't we were asking. We obviously, yes, we it. were looking for 5 We bought
3: <laughs> five-star reviews, <laughs> but we weren't like, hey. You
0: give us a five-star review yes. or else.
3: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> no,
0: that's awesome. But- it, it's, 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 it's surprising. Like, I don't know, there's some sort of stat in like, you know, people believe online reviews like as similar as like a person review. And this definitely wasn't the case. Like, honestly, I would go on Amazon, like pretty much two identical products. And the only differentiating factor for me buying or not buying is how good or how bad the review is, right? Yeah. So, you know, that's an interesting way that a lot of people in the the best way to generate reviews, is, like you said is like it's just asking right it's like hey can you please <laughs> review that that sort of thing um and it's definitely worked out so like you know i, I wanted to bring that up because i saw you guys are crushing it so you know i wanted to see you know if you guys had any secret sauce that you can share as well so that's great
2: incentive
0: incentive incentive we all love incentive you got to make sure the incentives are aligned just for everyone right yeah
1: exactly <laughs> and honestly i think some of the reviews that were picked for winners we're also critiques, you know, you actually gave us a critique on our business that helped us grow it or make it better than, you know, you were in the thing, but you know, um, there's, you know, you know, there's, there's people on both sides of reviews, but so far we've been doing good. And I think now we've moved that promotion over to Maps. So now yes. we're going to try to blow up Maps, and then we'll come back to Google. People get a little bit of chance to do something different, you know, cause then the same people aren't writing the same reviews. You know, we get a lot of repeat customers cause we have a
0: heavy customer
1: base. That's very loyal to our brand. Yeah.
0: Of course of course um so now on the sms and email side i know you said you're like 10 years behind what everything else is everyone else is doing um are you guys leveraging sms email you know significantly is that a big part of your uh retargeting strategy not so much
2: of the emails we've definitely talked about working into that but we have worked with i was it i heard jane no it's the uh, no spring big that we did the big. messaging That's through, it. and now we're moving it over to LeafBuyer. So the Leaf Fire app.
3: Um, Which also has its messaging. MMS and SMS built in service. So we can send out a message through the app center that'll hit everybody's. Uh, yeah. Anyone we, we have a phone number for it'll send it out to. So
0: does that connect to the purchases?
3: I believe. Yeah. If it's.
0: It doesn't connect to the purchases. It
2: actually is set up to where whenever we're setting the patient up, the initial setup for it, we ask them if they would like to add their phone number. We send out messages. We don't send out a bunch of junk mail. to strictly our promotions. Right. And most most people are on board for it. They're like, yeah, I'd love to hear about your specials.
3: It does have like a backside analytics where we are able to see, you know, who's receiving our messages, who's responding to our messages that sort of thing so we're able to kind of target our audience see you know like what age group is really responding to these like it, how effective is it but it does track everything from if they order online if they you know look or open the message wow. um to yeah basically really dial in and well,
1: know interesting who acting also- we also had trouble getting everyone to give us our phone numbers originally because people were like, oh, no, i But then when we ran a couple of deals that were so hot on the text message only, people were very upset that they didn't hear
0: about the deal. Ah, uh, yes, yes, of course. And, and then they uh, gave the phone.
1: And then they were ready to give us anything that we wanted.
0: Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. well, what kind
1: yeah. of information do you need <laughs> to give us? <laughs> I'll, I'll sign up for Google right now. Instagram, what you want? Exactly. $10.8. <laughs> well
0: you're you're aligning the incentives right yeah
1: um but yeah one other question i we do have another me here uh, that i gotta go
0: to my apologies i mean we're just about finished up i mean you know just kind of let me see let me scroll through these i just want to make sure i
1: got at least all your good questions answered and if you're if you have a good time and your viewers want us to come back we can make a a round two of this appearance
0: for sure (laughs) like i'm more than welcoming a lot of it's for me myself and like i enjoy this conversation thoroughly um, so I guess the, you know, the, the, the last question uh, I really like to ask is like, okay, whatever way you deem, you know, kind of golden nuggets, but what would you kind of give as your final golden nugget to, you know, maybe take a dispensary to the next level? And again, like I said, it could be sales marketing end, it could be culture end, right? It could I be think, operationally, you know, what I would think you think you would say?
1: That is very important. You know, uh, the leadership, the, the culture, employee retention, those things are, you know, finding out how to best use your employees, perhaps, and then about, You know, knowing your market. Um, those things are all basic, you know. Um, but yeah, I feel like the cannabis is a very unique space, and a lot of people get into it without the uh, the passion or the cultural aspect that right. they may one hundred percent need behind themselves, you know. And it's unique not only in the employees that want to come work, but they're they're also very passionate about cannabis. I mean, almost. This is very unique uh, to say, but we hire a lot of people that are very passionate about cannabis, like, you know, in and, and the sense of it, whether it be selling it. But, you know, some of the questions that we ask, we're like, hey, man, are you, are you an actual user? We only have one person that I would say that is an actual non-user in our, in our company. Right. And, you know, it's not that we're using it. Uh, she actually works out great. But weirdly enough, she is probably one of the most educated people. in the She's company. a
2: biologist, so she loves yeah. the biology of it.
1: And so she, you know, wants to do all the education is really researching, it, you know, and when you would ask her patient base, you know, like what's happening, that goes back to the education piece, you know, where uh, she's very good and able to do that. So I'm not saying you have to even know or even try cannabis. She's able to do it without it, but she has that same passion to help the people with the cannabis plant, you know, and has changed her mind on cannabis entirely. Like it has on mine, because I've seen it help so many different people in different aspects of their life. So I hardly ever see anybody that is unhappy, you know, or very angry. I will say that is very nice. You know, when when you're in the store, most of the time cannabis users are uh, good people, you know, overall.
0: (laughs) No, fantastic. Fantastic. And the last question is where can people get in touch with, doesn't have to be yourself. Where, where, where can people get in touch with Euphoria if they want to get in touch? Where can people? Uh,
1: we're on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn if they want to hit me up personally there or on Facebook as well. We both have the Euphoria uh, website and mine is up there. And Chad and Victoria. Euphoria
3: Dott. Wellness MT on Instagram also will take you on a link to all of our different Instagrams. They are private, but if you're 21 plus, you can definitely follow
2: Euphoria Wellness MT.com as Well, you can find us on Weed Maps, Leafly, um, Instagram, Facebook, but yeah, euphoria wellness mt.com would be the best way to go and find all those, right? Well,
0: thank hit you very much. What's that? I said,
1: hit up our SEO guy. We Head should up. Rank you high <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if, if we don't pop up in the first few searches, blame Brandon.
0: Be like, you like, know, yo. You just it's said, call Brandon's phone. You can Java. get all of us. Yeah, you he, can he, find me, you know, find me, hunt me down, all that stuff. <laughs> Let's
1: see how
3: good
0: he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, awesome. You know, lovely. You know, I, I think this was a really, really awesome chat, something we weren't able to do. I know we speak occasionally, but this is something, you know, that that I really like that we did. Um, but that was it for another episode of the dispensary marketing podcast. Like I said, I'm your host. If you need any audits done for your dispensary website or for your dispenser and you need to take your, you know, sales and marketing to the next level, hit me up at cannabidmarketing.com. But that's it for me and see you next time. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thank you, Brandon. Thanks for having
3: us.